welcome. This is Philip Riccobono, and you're listening to the ComingToAmericaBaseball.com podcast. And uh, we are the only podcast to come to you from Korea to talk about baseball from the Pacific Rim in English. Uh, we also talk about our own personal lives, and we just have a good time. I am blessed to have a friend of mine, an old friend of mine today here on the show, uh, Justin Kutcher from Fox Sports. Uh, uh, he's going to talk about his... Um, uh, career and uh, what he'll be doing next uh, for Fox Sports in terms of play-by-play uh, baseball doing MLB games. Justin, uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Phil, it's my pleasure. It's good to talk to you again. It's been, it's been a long time. In about 12 years. Let's, uh, let's go through how we met. We met probably around 99 or 2000 working for Fox Sports. I was in the booth for a guy who I interned for like 20 years before that or 10 years before that at NBC, Steve Horn, who was with uh, Bob Costas and then Joe Buck and Tim McCarver. And we uh, we actually broke a cardinal rule and hugged when the Yankees took the lead in game five of the Subway Series, the World Series. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. And, and if, if we're being honest here is that uh, I can remember where we were. We were up in the booth at Shea Stadium. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was my first year working with Fox. Uh, I'd worked a regular season game in Boston, Yankees at Red Sox, and then I got to work with the Subway Series. And I, I was obviously very excited the Yankees had taken the lead, and I didn't realize it. And then you were, like, ready to hug me, and you hugged me, and I was like, okay, I'll hug you. And that's when, when Steve Warren kind of looked at us and like, hey, cut that out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely can remember it. That was cool. One thing I wanted to ask you, I watched you do the Olympics for NBC last summer. Did you get to actually keep that sweatsuit? I did, yes. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I don't say I wear it frequently, but it, it's it's a good little, it, it's perfect. I've got one that's good for rain gear. Uh, it's light. It's easy to travel with. Then I've got one that's more like a uh, track jacket that's also perfect. That's cool. I really I like that sweatsuit, and I was wondering if you got to keep that. Um, let's uh, let's talk about you and how you got started and everything. I watched that Jack Fallow speech again last night that you made. Uh, that was great. And uh, one of the things is, you know, for for guys out there that want to get in the business, you started out making five hundred bucks a month doing AAA games, and now was it about ten, twelve years later? Uh, you're doing Major League Baseball games. You want to just kind of give us the long and the short of it? Uh, yeah, well, um, it's funny you mentioned Jack Fowler. He was my professor, and the year that I worked the Subway Series was the year that I had him as my professor for sports journalism at BU. Um, but basically, uh, I-, I knew from a very early age that I wanted to be involved in sports, and I, I always thought I'd be a professional athlete. I stopped growing and-, and had to figure out some other way to stay involved, and I thought for a long time I'd be a, a sports agent. Um, I saw the movie Jerry Maguire, and I said, nope, this one's not for me. Uh, and then I, I just watched a ton of games my entire life. Um, when you would fill out forms and take surveys in, in grade school, and they'd ask you, how many hours of, of TV do you watch a night and a week and, and this and that? And I'd, I'd have to ask the question, well, what time of the year are we talking about? And they'd say, what do you mean? I was like, well, is it the summertime when there's baseball? Is it winter when there's basketball or fall when there's football? Um, Because if it's football, you're watching one or two games on a Sunday. If it's basketball, it's probably one or two games a night. And if it's baseball, it's one game a night. 
Um, and so they were like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I knew that I had to, to be involved in sports. And I went to, to college for sports broadcasting, uh, got heavily involved in the student radio station, I was very lucky with different internships. The way I got the, the gig with Fox Sports was through Tim McCarver. I was interning at MSG Network, and um, he asked me if I'd like to do the post, you know, work the national game of the week up in Boston. I said, I'd love to, and, and next thing you know, I'm doing the World Series. Um, so it was it was one thing after another. And then, as you mentioned, in 2003, I moved out to Portland, Oregon, to be the uh, number three announcer for the Padres AAA affiliate, the Portland Beavers. And I made 500 bucks a month. My rent was 465. I lost 15 pounds in six weeks, not even trying. But it was the greatest time of my life. Uh, I made some incredible friends that to this day I go go out to Portland and make sure I see you know once a year or so. And the experience was phenomenal. Um, people asked me if if I got sick and tired of working or was I upset I was making no money and. I said, no, I mean, I'm getting to call baseball. I'm covering baseball each and every day. This is a dream come true. And then I went to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I made uh, $2,000 a month, and I thought I was loaded. The next year, I went to Tigers AA affiliate in Erie, Pennsylvania, um, and I got $25,000 a year. So I thought, hey, I just got a raise. I'm doing pretty well. And through all that, I would go back and work the playoffs with, uh, with Fox Sports and and just watch what Joe Buck and Tim McCarver were doing and how they prepared for a broadcast. And that experience was invaluable. Um, just to get to know those two guys, uh, I look at Joe as a mentor to me in this business. And the fact that I'm now at Fox Sports and, and he's one of my peers is is completely surreal. Um, it's, it's awesome. I, I'm not going to lie. Getting to go to the MLB seminar uh, back in February and seeing Tim McCarver and he looks at me and he said, what are you doing here? <laughs> I'm here to do some play by play. He goes, what? He goes, are you serious? And so we start talking and, and he said, we're going to do a game together. And I said, Tim, I would, I would love that. That would be awesome. He said, well, mark it on your calendar. We're doing a game together. And it was just announced today that this is his last year. So if oh, I can do it. Okay. I didn't know Tim that. McCarver, breaking uh, news, folks, breaking news. It would be uh, it would be one of those moments in my life that you kind of put an asterisk next to, and you just you you just know how special it is. Because if it wasn't for Tim, I would never have gotten in with Fox. He's a great guy, and Joe Buck too. I mean, Joe Buck. When I moved out to California, uh, he had me up in the booth in St. Louis. He used to do the Cardinals games as well, and brought me on the field and introduced me to his dad. I'll never forget that. Ten months before uh, Jack Buck passed away, I was lucky enough to meet the man. And uh, just a lot of people don't know this, you know, but he is really a, a genuinely loyal, great guy off the air. I, I said to people uh, all the time that as good of an announcer as he is, he's a better person. And you know, the, the story I tell about Joe, it's actually from that first World Series that I worked in 2000 when we were there together. And it was before game three, first game at Shea. And if you remember correctly, Phil, they would just blast the sound system at Shea Stadium. Who let the dogs was, out? Who let the, the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Right? out. Exactly. <laughs> who let the dogs out? And, uh, and so they would blast it. And they were playing Eminem Slim Shady pregame. 
And I looked over at Joe and I see Joe rapping, like just singing the song. And I said, what are you doing? And he, he looks at me and goes, what? I'm Slim Shady. <laughs> and I thought to myself, how could this guy be so calm and so relaxed, you know, minutes before game three of the World Series? And, and now I understand it. But he is, he is a great guy. Um, and, and I'm very lucky to have, you know, met him at an early stage of my career. Yeah, he is a one, a really, really funny guy too, and and it comes across on the broadcast as well. Um, one story with him, it was like my first time working with him. I think like '99, and uh, was it? Oh, some rap song where it's like jump, jump, jump. Anyhow, he grabs onto my shoulders and starts jumping up and down and wants me to join in with him. <laughs> I forgot what the Black yep. Sheep or or I, I forgot the name of the band, but. Yeah, that's he's he's a really just a fun guy, and he's like we're only a few years apart. I think you might be about a little, you know, maybe ten years younger than us. But yeah, just it's like it's really cool to see like these people come up. Um, I know he did the World Series, I think, at age twenty-seven or something. And yeah, nineteen ninety-six, his first World Series. Yeah, Yankees Braves. So um, yep, great guys to learn from. Uh, I got to ask you, what's your, what's been your most compelling moment so far on the air? Oh wow! Uh, whew! Jeez, put me on the spot here, Phil. Oh, one of them. Uh, one of them. You know, I, I'll, I'll go back to 2006, and um, I was over in Beijing, China, broadcasting the World Softball Championships which was the first Olympic test event uh, for the 2008 games in Beijing. Um, and it was USA versus Japan. And the USA had to, I believe, come through the loser's bracket there. Um, I think they lost a the game. I, I can't remember exactly, but I know they were playing Japan in the championship. And it was a scoreless game. I want to say top or bottom of the sixth. Uh, there was a runner on base. And Jessica Mendoza hit a home run, uh, a two-run home run just over the wall in right field. And it was my first time calling a game where it was the USA versus another country um, for a gold medal. And when Cat Osterman struck out the last batter, and I got to say, and the USA wins gold, uh, it was one of those moments where I had goosebumps. Wow. Um, I just thought that was that was really cool. And I would say that was the first. And then a moment that really sticks out to me was a few years ago, I got to call the Big East Tournament on ESPN 3D. And I was working with Bob Wenzel, and uh, it was the year that UConn made the run. And it was UConn against Pitt, and Kemba Walker hit the game winner. And so here we are at Madison Square Garden, calling this game and me having grown up in Connecticut as a UConn fan. You know, I, I, I Kemba has the ball, uh, you know, and, and there is a switch and Wenzel says, this is not what Pitt wants. And Kemba does his move, step back, shoots. And I said, Kemba for the win. And it switched. And I didn't say a word. And Wenzel goes, he hit it. And, I just, I just laid out because the crowd went crazy. And after that moment, I can remember Wenzel went to the bathroom and I just sat there and, and looked around 
and I thought to myself, I can remember vividly coming home from school when we had March break, and it was just around the time that the Big East tournament would begin. And I would get home, and we'd have a half a day, and I'd get home, and I'd go right to my room. I'd put on the Big East tournament, and I would start, I'd close the blinds in my bedroom so I could see, and I'd shoot hoops in my room. And all of a sudden, I thought to myself, I just called a UConn game winner at the Garden in the Big East tournament. And I had tears in my eyes because it was, it was at that point where I thought to myself, I'm, I'm really doing this. You know, it's, it's, it's really happening. Right. Right. You live in the dream. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had those moments just from working in the booth with those guys. And I'll tell you, I mean, uh, you've kind of inspired me, uh, to, to keep up with my dreams and I'm doing the podcast now and I'm also working on a documentary that I told you about, um, but I have a feeling you're going to have a lot more of those moments, Justin. I mean, this is just, you've just hit the, you know, you're just starting out uh, at the network level now at, the, you know, at Fox. And we're going to hear a lot from you. Um, I know I, that's good. I didn't know that you had some exposure to international softball. Um, and let's just shift gears a little bit and talk about how the international players, specifically from the Pacific Rim, are becoming a large part of the landscape in MLB, and I'm sure you're doing a lot of research on on guys like Ryu and Darvish. Um, and I just wanted to get your take on that. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think I'm I'm kind of in the minority here, but uh, based on track record, and you know, you think about Hideo Nomo, and he was the first one to come over, and that Nomo mania that we had back in I think it was '94 or '95. And, you know, he had a couple of no-hitters and this and that, and he had that, that fork ball or, or split or whatever he threw. Um, I think what we've seen is we've seen a lot of guys with some height. And, and how have they translated into the, to the United States, into Major League Baseball? Um, with you, Darvish, being a young guy coming over, now with Ryu coming over, being a young guy, there is certainly that element of intrigue. Um, you know, you wonder how are they going to translate to pitching once every five days versus once a week? Um, and, and how do they translate against, you know, uh, a major league caliber team? Daisuke Matsuzaka, I mean, there was so much hype about Daisuke. And he came over, and I think it's fair to say he's been a disappointment. Yes. Um, you know, the Red Sox invested a ton of money. I have a really hard time paying these these exorbitant fees to get the players away from those teams when you have no idea how they're going to do in the big league level. Um, I had the best two position players, obviously Ichiro and Hideki Matsui. I think Shinsu Chu is a guy who is, is starting to come into his own, and that was a big move this offseason for the Reds to get him from the Indians. Right. But to me, it's, I, I think you're going to see people wait to see what you know, Ryu does, what Darvish does after, after a two or three year span before they start, you know, breaking the bank again, because they don't want to get burned. At least that would be, that would be the way that I would look at it. I'd well, say, okay, there really I, isn't, I like this got something, but, but I need to see more of it. There really isn't much out there. Uh, there aren't any Ryu's or Darvish's or, or, um, well, Chu started actually in MLB. Uh, Ryu is the first guy to get posted from the KBO and come over to MLB, believe it or not. Guys like Chan Ho Park and 
Chu and Choi, Hisop Choi, those guys came through the minor leagues, the MLB minor leagues. So we'll see what happens. Um, But Ryu um, is kind of special, and he's played on a really like a a basement-dwelling team the last few years and still able to throw good stuff and keep good numbers. So we'll see what happens with him. Um, so maybe maybe he's the the, the uh, King Felix of Korea. Exactly. Mike Nino's joining us now, Justin. Let's get him up to speed. I, I just I just feel that I just feel that uh, with the way that the Red Sox got burned with Daisuke Matsuzaka, uh, the way the Mets got burned with Taz Matsui, um, I, I feel as if you Darvish. There's a lot riding on you Darvish. There's a lot riding on Ryu to to see the success and and see what happens for the future of of the Pacific Rim. Uh, players coming over to, to the states because I think people have you know there's been a lot of hype and not as much substance you know Hideki Arabu people talked about him as being a god and and obviously he didn't turn out to be that that way so I, I think we have to really start seeing results before we start investing a lot of money in them. I agree with you 100. percent The only difference I think now with this guy Ryu and 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 um. Uh, not Dyskate, but Darvish uh, now. Darvish. They're different body, they're different body types. I, I agree a thousand percent. I think the other guys, they're not built for the MLB. They're not ready. They're not, even if they're good enough, maybe physically, but they're smaller. They're not as strong for 162 games. The pitching, forget about it. It's not. It's never been close. But Darvish is like six four or whatever he is, and his kid Ryu's built bigger, and uh, we had this discussion before with Phil, I think because they're so big and relatively strong, their body type will dictate, I think, that they can have more success than the regular, like the, forget about Taz Matsui, I mean, he wasn't even really a major league ball player, how they make, but how scouting makes a, a mistake on guys like that, is beyond me, it's beyond me that the scouting is so poor by our guys, but like, and, and Daisuke, I don't, you know, he was older, I think. Maybe, you know, again, but they're not built to go, you know, 30, 33 starts or whatever they, with this season. And they're not facing major league hitters, every pitch, every at bat. It's a completely different world. I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at Masahiro Tanaka from Japan. There was a lot of hype on him. And I spoke to uh, Buck Martinez. I was at the WBC right before it. And he was really high on him. But... I mean, he couldn't put three good innings together. He kind of choked with, you know, uh, in front of all the eyes of the scouts. Did you guys check him out? I did not. Um, but, you know, as far as size of players, I- I'll tell you a guy who I, I was, um, well, one of the size is Hideki Matsui. I mean, he was as big as anybody. And he just, you know, all that hype about him having a 98-mile-per-hour fastball and a 92 mile per hour splitter. I don't know where that happened. I don't know what radar guns they were they were using. Um, but Hiroki Kuroda, with with the Yankees, obviously the Dodgers, then with the Yankees, he's a guy who I've been impressed with. And he's not a guy who who's very big, but he knows how to pitch. And I think he's what 38 years old right now. And you watch him pitch, and he's impressive. To me, to me, he's probably the best pitcher, starting pitcher to come over from the Pacific Rim. And, but again, when you look at guys like him, and Nomo had like major success, and then had a little, little problem. Corona kind of the same. He's never been dominant here, which probably over there he's dominant. But at times he's shown 
brilliant. I mean, he pitches very well for the Yankees. Obviously, uh, I see more Yankee games than, than the other games. But uh, those guys are for real. I mean, and he hung around a long time. Now, Nomo did the same thing. He got resurrected after pitching really well young. I mean, they're good. They're professional yeah. pitchers. And, and, and I think, I think um, Phil, one thing to keep in mind, and I've talked to people about this in regards to whether it's football in the draft or, or basketball in the draft, when you go out and you spend a hundred plus million dollars as the Red Sox did for, for Dice you go out and spend all that money on Darvish. The expectations is the expectations are for these guys to come in and be dominant, to be aces. You're not paying fifteen million dollars a year for them to be a number three or number four starter. However, if all of a sudden you bring a guy in and you pay him seven million dollars a year and you say he's going to be a number three starter, I think people look at, they will look at these players in a totally different light, and they will no longer, you know, be disappointments, but they will either meet expectations or potentially exceed expectations. But if you bring these guys in right away to be an ace, you're in trouble. I think that, I think that the posting money is in, even more indicative of that in, in what you're saying. When they're putting up 50, 51 million, forget about the 15 million on top of it. The 15 million in this day and age, you might get a two or three starter on a good team. But you're putting up 51 million, you add that money into the five year contract or whatever years. All of a sudden, that's a $25 million contract. So it's exactly like yeah, you're saying. And, and all, those, all those guys are posting fees they can thank Ichiro for that because, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Ichiro's posting fee for Seattle was, was very, very small. Yep. And then Ichiro comes in, and now he has a Hall of Fame career. And so all of a sudden, everyone's saying, oh, okay, if we can get the next Ichiro, let's do it. Yeah, they, uh, the Dodgers paid $25 million for Ryu, and uh, they're giving him $6 million a year So that's for six years. So that's close to 60000 There's a lot of weight on that kid's shoulders, too. He's going to be the number uh, two starter, or at least he's starting the second game. No, he's game. not. No, he's not. Well, he's, not well, he's, gonna, he's starting the second game, okay? They'll probably move the rotation around. But he's starting the second game. It was, named, it, it was uh, announced yesterday um, because... Uh, yeah, that's because... Because Cranky's hurt, and 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 uh, also Billingsley is still they're going to keep him on the DL for a little, a few more days yeah, retroactively. Absolutely. But where do you where do you where, no no where do you see him number four number three? Yeah, I, I I think again going back to what we talked about when he when he came over and signed. To me, he's in a great he's in a a, a beautiful place. He's on a great team now. They both up. They spent a ton of money pitching in like a four slot there or a five slot. I mean, coming into the major leagues as a, a big-time one, as he, he would on a lesser team, no pressure in a great uh, environment in L.A. I think he's, I told you, I think he's going to win 12, 15 games, that kid. Justin, will you cover the Dodgers? Have you gotten your schedule yet? Uh, I've got my schedule up through the All-Star break, and I do not have a Dodgers game. I open up uh, next week, St. Louis at San Francisco. Um but I, I think with, with the Dodgers right now, if everyone's healthy, I mean, you've got Kershaw, you've got Billingsley, you've got Granke, Beckett, and Ryu. Um, on paper, that's a fantastic pitching staff. And what, what's nice about that staff is, to me, there's no doubt about it, Clayton Kershaw is the ace. 
And I think the no, number two guy is probably, I think, I think, I think Billingsley is probably number two. Um, Zach Greinke, no, the no, reason for me, I know he said, well, the reason why Greinke to me signed with the Dodgers is obviously they gave him a lot of money, but I think it's because he didn't want to be the number one guy. And he knew that if he went to the Dodgers, he's not the number one guy. So now there's less pressure on him because he's coming in as number three. You've got Beckett, who I think will excel in the National League with a full year. And now you've got Rio. To me, it, it, it kind of reminds me in a way of, of the pitching staff of like the Yankees in, in 98 when you had, you know, Boomer Wells and David Cohn. And all of a sudden, you bring up a guy like El Duque. And there, was, there were expectations for El Duque, but nobody knew really what to, what to expect from him. And he came out to be really the best pitcher on that staff. Um, I mean, when it came time for the playoffs, who do you want in the mound? To me, I wanted El Duque. Um, well, and, then, no and, that's, and that's what I think you may have with this Dodgers team, which, you know, everyone talks about the offense, but if you're a real baseball fan, it may just be one of those years where you're just like, all right, wait, who's pitching today? Oh, nice. I want to see them pitch. And every day I you think, have I, it. I think Billingsley's the worst out of all of them. And he may not even be in the rotation by the end of the year. You mark my words. I've watched him way too close because I'm one of those fantasy guys, and he's killed me the last two years. He's killed me. But uh, with that team, again, when you're throwing an arm out like that, I think you're accurate and cranky. I can't use the terminology I would use on the street with cranky, but to me, he's as soft as it gets. And he put himself in L.A. in the position exactly like you're saying, where he can almost fly under the radar, pitch second or third day on an absolute great team, built offensively, built great on the pitching mound, and he could just kind of do his thing even though he's in a big city. He could never come to New York, never. Well, Ryu said he's dreamed of uh, striking out Posey, and he'll get the chance uh, next week, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Justin, um, I noticed, you know, did you do any international baseball? I know you said you mentioned uh, before that you did softball in China. No, no, just, just softball. I just want to tell you as an announcer, as a baseball fan, even to get a whole different perspective on the game, I would recommend you get over to Korea or Japan to see a game. I would say Korea first. The fans are just off the charts, Korea, Taiwan, Japan, Mostly Korea. They've, I mean, they've got cheerleaders, like beautiful, sexy NBA type cheerleaders. They, they've got, they, they hand out thunder sticks to everybody. Well, Phil, Phil, I'm told. <laughs> Say no more. I'm coming over. They've forget got about the game, Justin. Forget about the game. You get a thunder stick and you get to look at grade A cheerleaders. What well, more could you have? Well, that's it. People come here to cheer and have a good time. Every player. Well, you know what? <laughs> He could bring he could bring Brett Musburger with him. He can announce the game, and Musburger could talk about the cheerleaders. <laughs> and we could say, "You are looking live." That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but Nino, uh, actually, Justin, I'm going to send you a couple of t-shirts. Uh, I'll get your address later. One for the podcast, and one for the campaign to bring Nino to the Pacific Rim. I did have them printed in Thailand. And <laughs> somehow Pacific Rim translated to Pacific Ram, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so I'll get you that. Uh, I just wanted to mention. Are you going to be in New York? Are you, are you doing uh, uh, network? Where, where you're going to be all over the place? Or are you going to be in a specific area? 
Uh, I'll be all over the place. Um, but up until the All-Star break, I did not have any games in New York. If you need a runner, Nino is available. No, no. All right. when, when I, I got season tickets at the Met games, even though I'm a Yankee fan. Okay. And, I, and I, sit, I sit right below the press box where they, where they announce all the games from. So okay, I would like I got to see you and meet you in person if, if you're ever out that way. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. One last thing about Ryu. Uh, I don't know if you know this. This is good, something you could use on the air. He didn't have to do military duty. All Korean males have to do two years military. Um, and like one guy I'm friends with, An Young Myung, who pitches for the Hanwha Eagles, he's doing it right now at age 28. Uh, Ryu is exempt from it because he made it so far in international play. He won the gold, the Olympic gold in 08. And I think they went pretty – if you go pretty far in international play, WBC or Olympics, but that's out the window now. These guys don't have to do military duty. Uh, last year, Korea won the Asia Seri- Asia Cup or something like that. Um, so that's why Chu doesn't have to do military duty. Hello? Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so I just wanted to uh, mention that to you. I lost Nino. So let me let me uh, let let's wrap it up and then we'll do that thing with him. Um, so Justin, yeah. I wanted to thank you again for coming on the show. And um, can you uh, can you tell us like you said you've got MLB, you know uh, you got your schedule to the All Star break. Um, and so your first game, very first game at the network level is going to be um, in St. Louis. No, it's uh, it's going to be in San Francisco. Oh, in San Cardinal. Francisco. Okay. And um, what else are you working on? Uh, the following week, I've got the uh, Nationals hosting the Braves. I've got the uh, Rangers at Angels. Um, I've got the Nats at the Pirates. Uh, A's at Houston. Um, Twins and Tigers. Tigers and uh Rangers right before the All Star break. It's, All over to me, the place. It's, it's yeah. Great. Who yeah. who are you, who are they who are you calling the games with? Uh, I've got eleven games before the All Star break, and seven of them are with Eric Harrells. Oh, great! Former Dodger, very knowledgeable yeah. guy. So That's looking, awesome. Looking forward to working with him. Uh, spoke to him about our seminar, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And do you have a sideline reporter? Uh, no, no sideline. Okay. Well, I'm in Korea. Otherwise, you could have used me. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> but, um, hey, thanks a lot. What, uh, also, how do the fans get in touch with you? Uh, I, I think Twitter is probably the best way. What's your Twitter handle? Yeah, Twitter is the best way. It's at Justin Kutcher. So it's just my name. Um, keep it simple. Okay. Well, Justin, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. And um, either you're going to have to come here to Korea or I'm going to have to come to the States this summer to see you. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I'm, I'm already going to Spain, so I don't know about my next uh, international trip, but maybe I'll get there at some point. Okay, and I'm putting my ring in the hat for your uh, th- th- to help the stack guy out in the booth with you. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Hey, thanks a lot, and continued success. Uh, like I said, again, I'm really proud of you. Nobody's worked harder uh, than you to get to where you're at, and just keep it up, man. You're going to have some great moments. Uh- I appreciate it. I am uh, excited beyond words to, to get going for, for Major League Baseball. It's certainly a dream come true. Okay, that's going to do it for this week on ComingToAmericaBaseball.com. Special thanks to Justin Kutcher, Fox Sports, MLB. 
play-by-play announcer, Mike Nino Ninovaji. And of course, you can get to us on Twitter, coming to A-M-E-R-B-B. That's Twitter, or just go to the website, comingtoamericabaseball.com. And go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. From South Korea, it's spring. The regular season starts next week. I'm pumped up. Baseball's back. Later. Later.